Welcome to the Twinkle Talks EYFS podcast. Working in the early years is busy, funny, messy and exhausting. Join me, Shana, and the rest of the Twinkle EYFS team as we talk honestly about our experiences as practitioners, teachers and professional nappy changers. Whether you're listening to increase your CPD hours or catching up on our antics whilst driving home from work, Twinkle EYFS will share everything you need to know about all things early years. Hello, lovely listeners. It's great to be here with you again. So this is going to be episode four of Twinkle Talks EYFS. But before we get into the main topic of today's episode, it's time for another round of Only in the EYFS. Over to Katie for the main news. This week in Only in the EYFS. We've received reports from Ronnie Lewis that a child in their class last night got a new pet from Amazon. We'll keep you updated on what those delivery costs are. Lauren Maru reports today that the Cheerios and uncooked spaghetti she's created for her fine motor skills activity has all been eaten by one child. Save some for the rest of us, young man. We've received news reports today from Miss RPGCE that she's had an interesting conversation with a three-year-old starting with, when I was once a snail. We're still waiting on further developments and we'll keep you all updated. That's it for this episode. Tune in next time for more antics in only in the EYFS. So the reason we have dubbed this episode You Just Play All Day and note the uh, speech marks that are in there. Um, I feel like as early as practitioners, whenever we tell somebody who doesn't work in the education sector, possibly even some that do, maybe just higher up in the year groups, that we work in early years, this is the standard response that we all get. And I don't know about you, but it does get my back up a little bit. People do not know how hard it is to work in early years. Yes, there are some things that are different to um, working in other age groups, but that's the same with everything. And uh, this episode is dedicated to anybody who might think that we just play all day. And also what play actually means and why it's so important in not just an early year setting, but educational settings as a whole. Here we go. So I've just listened to myself back and I sound I sound really angry. <laughs> I'm not, I promise, I'm not angry. I'm just really passionate, okay, about how hard we work in the early years. And I just, I want to scream it from the rooftops, okay? So <laughs> I'm not, I'm not cross, I promise. I feel like it's one of those um, trigger phrases, isn't it? Um, there's another things like, say if you say to anybody who's uh, not in the education sector, that you're a teacher, no matter what age, they're like, oh, you get all those holidays, don't you? Oh, you just work nine till three, don't you? And my little eye just starts to twitch in the corner, like, you don't understand. <laughs> um, so this is just a friendly episode, friendly episode to say, guys, actually, there's a lot more to it. And uh, here's why. So I want to start off 
by talking about what the word play actually means. This might sound like a really silly question, but actually only through doing my teacher training and going on training throughout my career have I really realised how diverse the definition of play can actually be. So I did some research, of course, for the podcast, and I have an article here called The Importance of Play in Early Childhood Education. The article defines play in quite a few different ways, actually. So one of them is it should be personally motivating. Of course, the child should be wanting to do it. And it shouldn't be governed by basic needs or social demands. So there might be an element of fulfilling a basic need, but it doesn't dictate the activity. The children should be more concerned about the activity itself rather than the goals. And if they do have goals, they should be self-imposed. They get to decide what the end result is. Ideally, they like the behaviour of the player to be spontaneous and they get an opportunity to explore new or familiar objects. They also say this, and I'm going to quote it because I really like it i think it's my favorite part they say play is free from the rules imposed from the outside world and all rules that do exist can be modified yes that's the epitome of true play isn't it there are no rules and to summarize they say play should be an experience which brings joy to the individuals so as you can see from this definition there's a lot more to it perhaps if you are one of those listeners that think oh yeah we do just play all day Or you have a friend who works in the early years and think, yeah, they do. They do just play all day. Well, when you say play, are you thinking of games, colouring, the children just not having any structure, practitioners just watching the children do what they want, not engaging? Those are the kind of things that might subconsciously come up. But this article proves absolutely not, not at all. There's really a lot to it. And also the kind of things that, are involved in play can be involved with learning and it is especially in early years and I'll show you why so the first part when it says play should be personally motivating well you might have listened to a previous episode where we were talking about how we plan activities for our children no matter what approach we use we always have the child's interests at heart so that they are motivated to do it there you go that's one way another thing they say about exploring objects absolutely That is part of learning, Um, especially in early years. We introduce new concepts. We introduce new topics, new objects, new people, and we give them a chance to explore it. They sound the same to me, learning and play at the same time. Another one, players should be able to apply their own meaning of play activities. And that's a really big part, I think, because yes, as teachers, we do direct or facilitate their learning and their play, but what they take from it is their own. And as practitioners in the early years, we're really good at responding to how they apply their own meaning to the activities and we go along with it. So big check there. Now, of course, there are a couple of differences um, that we have to address. So for example, children should be more concerned about the activity rather than the goal of the activity. Now, this can be true or false for activities in the early years. There are some activities that we plan where, yeah, we want the children to be more concerned about the activity rather than the goal. Worrying about the goal is our job. We have picked this activity for a reason and we want to have a certain end result by the end of it. The children doesn't have to be aware of that. They could be subconsciously learning through play. That's cool. On the other hand, though, there may be some activities where we do want the children to be actively aware of the goal. They're still playing, but they do understand that there is something at the end to be gained. 
The quote that I like really well, play is free from the rules imposed from the outside world and all rules that do exist can be modified. Um, that can be both true and not true at the same time, can't it? Um, I think as practitioners, we do have to set boundaries and routines for children, even within play, because they do need to know consequences of their actions, such as social interactions, uh, behaviour choices, or maybe academic processes. There are certain rules to life. And it's our job to teach them that. However, play is the best place to do that because there are no rules in play. And what's great about it is you can play out a variety of different concepts and with a variety of different outcomes as well. And there won't be any real life consequences. It's play. They're practicing different scenarios. So in a way, yes, there are no rules in play technically because we get to practice them and there are no real life consequences but we as practitioners do remind children that there are rules to some things so that their play can be transferred into real life skills as well and the last one play should be an experience which brings joy to individuals of course learning should be fun too who said learning should be boring flip it on its head oh play isn't learning because it's too fun well hang on a minute who said learning needs to be boring i'll just throw that out there So now we've looked at the definition of play and, you know, how it can mean different things in different situations. Um, Let's look at it in in an early years classroom and what it looks like. So we have to follow the early years framework in England. Um, And in England, what we have to assess children on are seven areas of learning. Uh, We've got our prime areas, which are the more, I don't want to say important ones, but the core the core uh, subjects and then we've got the four specific ones so our three prime areas are communication and language physical development and personal social and emotional development and we also have to assess our children on the specific areas so that's literacy maths understanding of the world and expressive arts and design so how does play fit into all of those assessment criteria and what learning do they get in each in each area? Well, let me tell you. Let's just start off with communication and language. Oh my goodness, do children pick up so much vocabulary while they are playing? And it's not just from listening to children, it's from playing with the words that they're using. You'll see so many children in the role play area speaking like they've never spoken before if you ask them a question on the carpet these are the children that say nothing (laughs) but if you get them in a role play area oh my goodness do they not stop talking and that is what it's about that is what it's about the vocabulary that they pick up in role play is so important and I think as well what I've particularly noticed in my experience is the importance of play for children with English as an additional language For many, many, many years, the children that come into my class, we have refugee families, we have uh, families that have come from different countries um, for work purposes, just because they want to move here. And so their children are young and they haven't learned English yet. You would be so surprised at how quickly they pick up the language. And I'd love to say that, oh yeah, it was me, I'm just a really good teacher. Um, No, it's not. It's not at all. It's play. They develop so much language through play. 
And the difference that you see from the beginning of the year to the end of the year, the amount of confidence they have to to use language, you might often find children with English as an additional language, they go through something called the silent phase, which is what I learned at university, where they're just taking all the information in. They're not ready to speak yet, but they're listening. They're, they're taking in your language and they're understanding it. They're comprehending it. Then when they feel confident and ready, they start to speak, which is often why you see in role play, they talk because they feel confident talking during play. If you ask them a question on the carpet, oh, That's a completely different scenario for these children. So they don't feel as confident. So they might not speak. So the importance of play in language is so, so obvious here because children speak so much more and develop so much more, play with language so much more through play. They wouldn't get that if you just had a grammar lesson at three years old. Oh, God, I don't want to imagine that. Uh, What about physical development? It's been widely documented that Physical development and emotional development and cognitive development all work together. It's all really important. This is when they take risks. One of the assessments is, you know, to be able to take safe risks, maybe using climbing frames, uh, maybe using PE equipment, maybe even just scribbling on a piece of paper, you know, fine motor. It doesn't matter what they're doing. They're just scribbling. They're playing. They're playing with the pencil. And in doing that, they are practicing those skills. They They are building those muscles. So as you can see, it's really important for for physical development as well. Now, our last prime area, personal, social and emotional development. Oh, my goodness, does play have a massive role in this? I've already kind of touched on it already, so I won't go into too much detail again. But it's all about interaction and playing with different scenarios, putting on different roles. You know, children love to play mummies and daddies, princesses and dragons. They love to play aliens and things like that. And so they get to take on different roles and personas and they get to say things that they might never get away with if they were being themselves. And that's so important because through play, through doing that, they understand social cues. They learn how to turn take to play with other children and also to take on other children's ideas. If you weren't playing, I don't think they'd have the motivation to want to play with others and socialise with others, you know. Of course, there are children, I myself included, I'm quite an introvert. I don't mind spending time by myself and I can often, you know, uh, entertain myself. And children, there are some children that are like that too. But there is always still an element of social interaction during play. They might be pretending to be something by themselves. As in another episode, they might have an imaginary friend. They might be using toys and pretending that they're alive. So there is always a social aspect in play. And it is so important for children to role play scenarios that they might come up with in their real world that they have practiced already and they can deal with. So big tick for play there. Going on to our specific areas, literacy. Now, this is probably one of the harder ones, I would say. And I love literacy. I love reading. I love phonics. I love uh, writing. These are like my favourite subjects. Um, And it's really important for me to make sure that there is always play involved with it because they need to love to read. They need to love to write. They need to love to learn sounds um, before it gets really, you know, complicated and really quite deep. Um, Because if you turn them off straight away, that's it. They're gone. And you, it's really hard to get them back. I absolutely love reading. It's one of my favourite things. I read all the time. I'm a massive Poirot fan, so big nerd over here. But it was something that 
I always loved when I was a little girl as well. And that's that love of reading has really stayed with me. And there's a lot of reasons why role play, you get to act out the story, you get props, you know, you get to make a little small world area and the children can see it. Other things for reading is what I love doing with the children is we make up our own stories. So I've already spoken about helicopter stories um, in another episode about snack time. Um, But what we do as well is we might take a very well known uh, book that we already know. Like Dear Zoo, for example, I absolutely love doing. So we take the wonderful story, Dear Zoo, and we play with it. We make it our own. So we'll add chapters, we'll add animals to say, oh, okay, what did the zoo send me today? And some of them are hilarious. They'll say, oh, the zoo sent me a donkey, but he was too kicky. And so I sent it back and I'm like, yes, let's play with the story. Let's develop it. Let's make it our own. And that makes it much more exciting for children because they're playing with it, but also they have ownership over it. They're becoming part and one with the story. And you can only do that through playing with it, through loving the reading. In terms of writing, I am a big advocate for not writing too early. People have different stances and that's absolutely fine. There's no right answer. I would argue that gross motor skills and fine motor skills, you really have to get them right before a child's you know, holds a pencil. Um, I'm actually thinking about doing another episode specifically to do with that. But it's about, you know, with writing, just again, loving doing it. So yeah, if they're scribbling across a page, fine. At least they're they're practicing and they're loving what they're doing. It doesn't have to just be a pencil either. It could be chalk on the floor. It could be paintbrushes. Um, You could be using vegetables. Oh, when spring comes for nursery, we get all the veg out and we get them to make with carrots and potatoes and sugar snap peas. And it's just, it's really fun because that's, that's playing. That seems silly, doesn't it? But they're still practicing the same skills about controlling a mark making tool, um, about using the right hand grip. And it's just so much more fun. And the children are going to remember it as well. So things like we do something like do disco, squiggle while you wiggle, funky fingers. Uh, we do all of that, you know, for a good couple of months before the children start holding pencils directed by us. If they want it, great. Um, but it's all about loving doing it. And so we sometimes we used to get big, giant paper all over the floor. We used to give them chalk and they could go in, draw all over the playground. And you should watch them go. They absolutely love it. I think one thing I've noticed throughout my years is that particularly for boys, writing is a real struggle to love, to play with. Um, and so it's quite tricky to get them to, to engage with writing. But if you involve play watch them go and this is not to say that it's always boys that struggle with writing it could just be your reluctant writers so there's one thing that I absolutely love doing in the nursery I used to work in we had remote control cars or even just toy cars and what I do is I'd sellotape the pens and the pencils to the cars because the boys absolutely love rolling the cars around so just stick a pen on it And you should see the boys, they were so fascinated and they were running to go and get these pens and try and attach them to the cars themselves. And they were exploring writing by, you know, moving their arms, changing directions, making different marks on sand, paper, maybe in the water. That is an element of play. Yes, they're still learning to write, but look how much of a difference play makes in writing. 
Now, a lot of you have actually got in touch about how much play has an impact on mathematical learning. I'll go into that a bit later, uh, what you guys have said, but it's so true. Math is all about playing with real life objects, isn't it? Because math itself is an abstract concept. So it you have to explore it. You have to play with it. You know, you get to explore things like size, measurement, shape. You get to play with numbers, about forming them, about quantities, ordering them, naming them. To do that, you know, you might role play a shop if you're learning about money. You know, if you're doing height or you might involve the children and you've got to go and measure everybody in the class. I think maths is is based through play. Um, it's only when we get to adult life and, you know, bills start coming in and, you know, stuff like that. It starts to get a bit, <laughs> a bit tense. And I think that's why a lot of adults, myself included, really get anxious when they or when they're asked to teach or support their child with maths. They think, oh, God, I wasn't good at maths at school. Yes, you are. It's just you don't realise it because a lot of maths concepts and math skills are through play. Uh, nearly there. Don't worry, guys. In terms of another assessment subject, understanding of the world. I mean, this is 100% play. It's about exploration. It's about investigation. You know, it's the early, uh, it's the precursor of science, geography, history, general study, citizenship, you know, things like that. Humanities, really. DT, things like that. And by only by playing, are they going to figure out how things work, you know? Um, a big key part of understanding of the world is using your senses. So sensory play, exploring different textures, exploring what happens if you do this. You know, when we look at floating and sinking as a as a topic, it might just look like we've decided to give every child in the nursery a bath. <laughs> but there's there's so much learning going beyond that. You know, they're using different tools to pick up, to scoop, to measure, to see what happens if it drops a certain way, um, how much it weighs, how heavy it is if it goes in this container, if it goes in that container. And only by playing can you do that. If they just sat at a table and you told them how that happened, it's just, it's never going to sink in, is it? It's just never going to sink in. Only by doing it, only by experiencing it yourself do you really quite learn it. So for them, they're making discoveries all the time in understanding of the world. And 90% of that is through play, for sure. Last one, expressive arts and design. I mean, this is the most creative of them all. So of course, play goes hand in hand. Not only are we teaching them to, you know, hold a paintbrush and paint a pretty picture. Let's explore the colours. What happens when we mix red and green? I don't know. Let's give it a go. You know, um, what happens if we use this texture? Do you think we could use this glue? Is this going to work? And just keep playing. Music, that is all about playing, isn't it? Oh my goodness, I used to dread music because it was so <laughs> it was so loud. At some point, I would also put the music instruments in the garden, you know, when it was nice and warm. I was like, yes, you can explore to your heart's content and play with the instruments, but please outside because I'm going to get a migraine. <laughs> but actually, it's so important. They're learning about rhythm, about pace, about pitch, about volume, about timbre, all of this stuff that you just... It's so subconscious, but they're doing it through play. That's such a great way to learn, isn't it? And if you think about all the amazing creative um, role models that are out there for today, they play. They play with their materials, their resources, and the results are incredible. And it's also something that's really individual to them. And all of our children are individuals, and that's what we want. 
So I feel like I'm doing a TED talk on why play is so important, but I really felt like I needed to go into detail. nice as we have our wonderful Betsy (laughs) as an honourable member of the Twinkle Talks EYFS team. Um, I asked her lovely mum, my manager Lauren, to record a little clip of her and Betsy playing together. Um, Just a bit of fun, nothing you know scripted or anything, but just to give you an example of how much a child learns through play. So she's gonna play the clip and then after I'll tell you just how much she's getting out of it. Let's have a listen. Which, this one. This one. What you call is this one? Pink. Pink. Oh, feel it. How does it feel? Nice. It's all dusty. It's all squashy. What is it? Sticking to the table. Look. I wonder what happens if you mix it with a different colour. Maybe it all turn orange. Do you think? Ash or arrow or eight or add. All right, okay. It is so dotty. It's so squashy. Can I feel it? Oh, it's slimy. Slimy. Ugh. One, two. Ugh. One, two slimes. What are you doing? I'm mixing it with dapper. Oh, what do you think will happen? Maybe it will turn purple. Oh, it might turn purple. Like when you mix the paints. The green one's all stretchy, isn't it? And that goes all see-through. Oh, no, I made a hole. Oh, you can fix it for me. Oh, thank you. Oh, that's so cute. I want to join in, guys. So these are just a couple of things that I've picked up just by listening that Betsy's learning just by playing with slime with her mum. So in terms of physical development, she's practicing her dexterity and fine motor control. For communication and language, she's learning new vocabulary, building on her sentence structure, and she's listening to her mum's modelled pronunciations as well. She's learning also how to turn take in a conversation and ask and answer questions. For personal, social and emotional development, she's conversing freely with mum, she feels happy to help her fix things and she's enjoying sharing the materials. For literacy, she's making predictions about what's happening and is explaining what she's doing, which is all kind of the basis of story structure and writing structure. For math, she's learning how to count the slime. In understanding of the world, she's exploring using the slime using her senses. She's making predictions about what's going to happen when she mixes the slime and then she tests them. finds out the results. And lastly, for expressive arts and design, of course, she's learning all about the colours and the textures, and she's learning how to create and mix her own designs. And that's just from like a 30 second clip of, of them playing. How amazing is that? Did you pick up any more? I'd love to hear your thoughts. As you can see, every single area of learning is massively benefited by play. I really, really believe as well that it's not just in early years. And I know it's so challenging for teachers 
to fit everything in it's so difficult and the expectations of doing you know structured formal lessons there's such a high expectation for that I'm hoping that with the the new reforms of at least the early years framework that play is really being put at the forefront because there's so much evidence to say how important it is and I'm hoping that it it then feeds into the national curriculum as well and for higher up because I know so many teachers that 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 say I wish I could do that Shana but I can't I haven't got the time I need to assess this subject I need them to get this many written pieces in their book I need so and so and it's just really heartbreaking isn't it because the teachers want to do it they can see it but unfortunately there's so many pressures in the education sector at the moment that play might not always be possible I think another thing that's really important to think about when talking about play in the early years is how much work goes into planning play and allowing play to happen, if that makes sense. Um, Practitioners certainly do not just sit on their behind, have a cuppa and let the kids do what they wish. No, 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 no. (laughs) Um, It all has quite a lot to do with actually how in a previous episode I was talking about how we plan for early years. Yes, the children have responsibility for their play, but guess what? There is a lot of behind the scenes that goes into play. We have to look at their interests constantly because they are changing all the time. And we have to make sure as practitioners that we get things out that not only benefit the children and help them in their play, but enhance it and move it on. We constantly have to think about the next step. Oh, they're playing with this, but what can they do further what can they do more than that how can I turn this into another learning point you know how can I help develop this children in this area Um, a lot of it as well is about observing the children so we have to as practitioners make sure that we have a certain amount of observations to to prove when we assess the children that they are at the key milestones that we say they are so we have to observe them. So that means we need to know all of the skills behind the scenes, what's happening in this play, because it's so important to know them, to be able to explain play and prove, yeah, this is why play is so important. Look at all these things that they are doing. So we have to memorise all that information. We have to prove that information all the time. Um, so letting someone just play there is so much work that goes into that we have to plan before we have to make sure we're engaging with them during to move them on and then after we need to write all the evidence of this is what's happened during play it's a lot of work guys it's a lot of work I enjoy it I really do but playing is not as easy as it looks put out a poll to to really find out how much time is dedicated to child-led learning, free learning, play and learning time, playtime, whatever you want to call it in early years, how much time is actually dedicated to that in, in our timetables. And the response was mixed, actually. But what was more interesting was the responses as to why. I asked you guys how much time during an average day would your children have child-led free play etc etc and from those that answered four percent of you said under an hour a day 34 percent said between one and two hours a day 43 percent said between three and four hours a day and 19 percent of you said five or more hours a day was dedicated to free play including two percent that said they do it all day 
The comments about why your settings have those set amount of times were really interesting. And I'll go into that more in a moment. But first, I wanted to share some of the comments you made about why play is so important in your settings. Mr. Noakes, teaching journey, has said play has worked well for their class by stacking cups to help learn how to count to 10 and then extended up to 20. Fantastic. They're playing with cups and look at what they're learning. Amazing. The assistants say for maths, it really benefits them using play. More recently, divisions, but also identifying quantities by dividing Lego figures into groups, for example, or a memory game to identify quantity connected to a number. Amazing. Yes, I love building blocks such as Lego and Duplo and other things. They are just, they're so versatile and kids love to play with it. So yeah, let's use them in our lessons. (laughs) Alicia says at one point she was playing a game with a child where they had to colour emotions that matched the zones of regulation. That child went back to their lesson and coloured all their work in the correct colours to the zones all on their own. See? How wonderful is that? And I know um, colouring sheets and colouring in get a bad rap, but sometimes, actually, it's really beneficial. I, for one, love colouring. And I know there's a lot about mindfulness and mental health. And this, as you can see here, about the zones of regulation, has really helped a child connect with their emotional states just by colouring. That's just, how amazing is that? We have one of our wonderful ambassadors, Ashley, again, to share her experience as well of how play has had an impact in her setting. Let's take a listen. I think one of my favourite moments, it happened a few weeks ago, actually, and it was a group of boys in my outdoor area. They were taking all of the cafe resources out of the play shed and they were setting them up on the stage. So we had a cook, a waiter, we had customers... And I pretended to go to the cafe and I just remember saying, I'm not sure what to order because I don't think you've got a menu. And one of the little boys jumped up, he grabbed a piece of chalk and he started to create a menu independently on the big chalkboard using his phase three phonics. And it was just absolutely wonderful to see. He wrote things like pizza, chips, beef burger, And then he was discussing with his friends how much it should be. So then maths came into it because they were writing £1, 50p, 10p, 1p. And then that vocabulary was then being used amongst the other children, depending on their role in the cafe. And it was just great to see them all working together. And I just realised, like, wow, play is so powerful when it's done right. You know, it has such a massive impact. And I had a wonderful cafe experience. Amazing, Ashley. Thank you for sharing. Let's have a look at now your responses to why your settings have the designated amount of play as you do and the possible barriers to having more or less. So we've got Yale Hannah here and she says that on average she gets about one to two hours of child-led play a day. And she says the reason for that is trying to fit everything in into the curriculum is challenging enough as it is. And that I think that's really true for a lot of schools, a lot of settings, is that there is so much pressure to fit all of the curriculum into your timetable that the first thing to get cut is playtime, isn't it? Oh, the children didn't understand 
their writing. So let's let's take a bit out of child-led to, to catch up. And that is so true for everybody, isn't it? And that's nobody's fault at all. That's just the climate of um, early years at the moment and the, and the pressures that we have to deal with that child-led is the first to get cut. Kimmy Elder makes an interesting point, actually. So she works in a mixed class. She says, I work with a small nursery and reception group. The two-year-olds are entirely child-led free play unless they want to join in with the focused activities for the three-year-olds i tend to give a couple of focused adult-led tasks in a day no more than 15 minutes each maybe twice a day depending on the group and the reception children usually join in with the three-year-old task and then i extend the learning for them so they are focused for a little longer but mostly my day is child-led play I'll always have phonics and math activities as part of our continuous provision and writing activities. And after that, they pretty much access what they like. So this is another barrier, isn't it? That, yes, okay, the timetable is one. But also, what happens if you have a mixed age group? They have different levels of play. Some children actually need more focused time than others. And how do you juggle that? That is so tricky, isn't it? You know, and I'm sure some of you out there have mixed reception year one, year two classes. And how difficult must it be for perhaps the year two children to sit and try and do learning while their reception classmates are going for playtime? Like it must feel really difficult. And that's a really big challenge for a lot of practitioners. We've also had um, some insight from a childminder. So Melanie Kendrick says, I'm a childminder. So the majority of my day is free play. What is out is determined by their interests and next steps. Amazing. Thank you, Melanie. And they have to follow a curriculum too. And it's really important. So I'm glad that Melanie is able to do majority of her day free play. And lastly, Kelly Tanner says, realistically, she gets about two hours or so, which is less than she'd like. But it's a tricky setup as we also have nursery in year one in the same space. So here's another barrier. You might have an outdoor space that's not entirely yours. You might share it with another key stage. And that is really challenging because that then cuts your time, doesn't it? Um, because you only have a certain amount of time to do child-led play. And that will impact on your timetable. That will impact on the things that you can do. So that's another barrier. So I think what was the most interesting about the comments that you sent in is that there is this idea that, you know, some people think, oh, you're in early as you just play all day. Actually, we don't. We don't play as much as you think, you know. It's really difficult. We have an entire timetable to fit in. Um, we have so many pressures to do X amount of literacy, X amount of phonics, X amount of adult-led, X amount of assessment. That sometimes there's just no time for play and that's the easiest thing to get rid of because no one's going to come down on you for it. There's not going to be consequences for it. Okay, so we're coming to the end of our episode now. I feel like I've talked a lot. So I'm really sorry. <laughs> um, this is clearly something I'm really passionate about. I hope you guys are as well and that it resonates with you. This is a conversation that I'm sure will be going on for years and years to come. You know, the importance of play, things change um, in the environment as well. So who knows what, it, what the discussion will be like in a couple of years time. But I also just want to make it clear as well that yes, play is super, super, super important. But there is also space for focused learning um i think it's really about a balance and yes there are some things that we as educators have to just teach our children and sometimes that might not involve play and that's okay there will be things that we just have to teach and it won't be 
through play it won't be exciting you know we can't make everything exciting we can't make everything playful because life doesn't work that way but if you're looking to learn about the role of play in early years then do take a look at the article that I have been reading I'll pop a link in the description of this episode and it would be great to continue this conversation. We're not going to be able to cover everything in one episode. I'd love to hear more about your experiences and your thoughts on the importance of play and its role in early years. Because so far, it has this episode has been a lot of my experience. And I'm so happy and so honoured to share that with you. But it's not just about me, it's about you guys as well. And things might be resonating with you and things you actually might want to challenge. And we welcome that. I welcome that. I want to hear your voices and your experiences because we all have different experiences and they are all equally valid. At the end of the day, we're all here to improve our practice and to help each other educating the best that we can. And it's always great to get different opinions too. So get involved. (laughs) You are always welcome. Come and find us on social media and join in the conversation. I hope that by listening to this episode, you've gained an understanding of what play really is, the importance of it and how much it affects a child's development, not just academically, but personally, emotionally, cognitively, and actually how hard it is and how much work goes into it and that we don't play as much as we'd like to or as much as people think we do. Uh, and the reasons why and the barriers that we as practitioners in the early years have to face every day. So it's uh, it's pretty it's a pretty deep one today, but I, I hope you've enjoyed it. And um, I look forward to speaking to you in two weeks time for another episode. Have a great day. So that's it from today's episode. Thanks so much for listening and I hope you really enjoyed it. If you would like to get involved or would like to know more, come and find us on our social media sites. We have a Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest and TikTok account. All of the details will be in the description. And whatever you're doing, I hope you have a great day today.